My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Medina Musa and Wing Lee. Charter schools are educational institutions that are funded by public money but that exist outside of the public school system, often with a distinct mandate of some kind. They've become common in many jurisdictions in the United States in recent decades, but the only Canadian province to allow them is Alberta, which has had legislation permitting them since 1994. A voucher system for funding education is one in which funding follows the student. Education in Alberta is funded in this way, with about 70% of education dollars moving with the student. Today's guests are active with a grassroots nonpartisan network called Support Our Students, or SOS, Alberta. They say that the original rationale for charter schools in Alberta was to encourage innovation beyond what the public system would allow, which was then to be fed back into the public system to improve education for all. They say that in practice, however, this has not been the result. Instead, charter schools have become places of exclusivity. Though they cannot charge tuition, there are often still financial barriers to attending charter schools, and they tend to exist in wealthier areas. So charter schools have divided students and educational experiences not only along lines of socioeconomic status and geography, but things like religion and gender as well. And because of the voucher system of funding, as students switch to charter schools, that effectively pulls resources out of the public system. Past a certain point, that can make the public system less able to support the students who remain. They further argue that rather than an education system organized on the basis of competition for funding and on exclusivity, we're all better off with a robust, well-funded public education system. Such a system leads to a healthier, safer, and more equal society, and is an essential element of a healthy, functioning democracy. And, if done well, it offers fewer barriers and more opportunities for students who are marginalized in various ways. SOS Alberta had its origins among parents on public school playgrounds in Calgary in 2015. Medina Musa, who's an entrepreneur and a mother of four, discovered it a couple of years later. Her initial involvement was to host a screening in her community of the documentary film Backpack Full of Cash. The film explores charter schools, voucher funding, and privatization in the United States in a way that the group feels is relevant to Alberta's situation, so it's one of their big outreach tools. Musa is now the group's executive director. Wing Lee first encountered the group by attending a screening of the documentary about a year ago. She holds a PhD in neuroscience, has two children, and is the communications director for SOS Alberta. In the group's early years, they did some direct lobbying of provincial politicians, but more recently their work has focused on educating and mobilizing parents and other Albertans concerned about privatization and other threats to public education. They make use of social media, they hold viewing parties for Backpack Full of Cash, they do in-person educational sessions, they engage with school councils, and they mobilize people to write letters and put other forms of pressure on school boards and the province. COVID-19, of course, has prevented certain kinds of in-person activities and has forced the group to adjust its focus. 
Though many jurisdictions have been criticized for not doing enough to prepare schools for a safe return of students, teachers, and other workers this past September, Lee and Musa say that Alberta has invested the least of any province and offered little direction and little support for the kinds of safeguards that are needed. So in addition to their ongoing work, SOS Alberta has put together a COVID-19 school tracker. It gives parents and students much-needed information about transmission in schools, and it's become a useful way for the group to connect with people who have concerns about the system. As well, they've been working in coalition with groups called AB Docs for Patients and RAD Educators to push 12 demands for safer schools during the pandemic. I speak with Musa and Lee about the importance of public education, the dangers of privatization, responding to COVID, and support our students, Alberta. My name is Wing Lee, and I grew up in Alberta attending public school, and I hold a PhD in neuroscience from the University of Lethbridge. I was actually born in Hong Kong, and my family immigrated here when I was four years old to Alberta. As I became older and realized how, I guess, lucky we were to be able to come here, I also understood that not everybody was able to access the level of public education, and there's still a lot of competition in this society here. I became more politically activated in the spring of 2019. Having grown up in Alberta and understanding the conservative landscape, I think I always knew that there were inequalities in our Canadian society. Even though I am grateful for the opportunities, I was always kind of aware that there was those who come here with not a lot. And we have to understand there have to be tools and remove barriers for those that want to enjoy the opportunities. And so understanding privileges and understanding equity became part of this journey in my political activation. And I landed at SOS because the values of removing barriers and achieving true democracy and equity for all, regardless of race, background, socioeconomic status, those were all values that aligned with me and my trajectory. I became involved with SOS about a year ago when I attended a screening of Backpacks Full of Cash. I was worried about the increasing privatization of our public education system, being someone that attended through K-12 and also post-secondary. And I have two children, and I am currently the communications director. My name is Medina Musa, and I am the executive director of Support Our Students. I am a mother of four and an entrepreneur, and I live in Calgary, Alberta, and I grew up in Alberta. I've had a really strong belief in the purpose of public education and in the idea that we are all larger than the sum of ourselves in a society. And I personally am from an immigrant family. Half of my family immigrated from Lebanon. And I believe that a strong education system supports people from all over in that diversity and gives them equal opportunity to succeed. And so that combined with both my grandmothers not actually having access to school due to socioeconomic positions has always really motivated me to try and help and build a society where everybody has equal opportunity and access to those kinds of chances. So I find myself pulled in this direction to help and support and build a strong democracy. And I think public education is a big part of that picture. I first became aware of Support Our Students as a parent with children in the public education system. 
I started to see that we were losing students at our public school, and I wondered why. And as I was digging for more information, I came across Support Our Students, and then I hosted a screening of Backpack Full of Cash, which is a documentary that talks about how charter schools have unfolded in the United States and the impact that that has had on public education and how it relates to what is happening in Alberta's education system right now. How did Support Our Students Alberta get started? Support Our Students is a grassroots nonpartisan network of Albertans, and it was really born on the playgrounds of public schools in Calgary in about 2015. It was started by two women, Barbara Silva and Carolyn Blasetti, who found exception that schools were not making decisions always in a student-centric way and also how legislation here in Alberta was allowing for increased privatization. It was started in the transition period from, I believe it was Jim Prentice. Uh, This was the transition in 2015 from decades of conservative rule in the province to an NDP government. And they were seeing that the charter school legislation had been in place since 1994. And so I think Before the NTP came into power, they saw this moment that they could advocate for the increased awareness and protection of public education leading up to the election as the voters were getting ready to understand the issues. What is the Backpack Full of Cash documentary that you both mentioned, and how does it relate to Alberta? Backpack Full of Cash is a documentary that focuses on how charter schools are funded in the United States and how the voucher system, which means when money actually follows the student, they get allotted a certain amount of public funds, and they get to shop that around to various different schools. And it shows the reliance on standardized testing. And it also shows that it doesn't actually result in better education. And it's about the privatization, the marketplace of education how it relates to Alberta is specifically that we have a voucher system here and a lot of Albertans have not been aware of that. So a lot of the work that Support Our Students does is about educating and informing the public that this is happening right now and it has long-term detrimental effects for our society and our public education system and our democracy. When I first heard about Backpack Full of Cash, I thought it was such a brilliant tool to bring people together to inform them about how privatization is unfolding in Alberta and inform them that 70% of a per student amount of dollars from the government actually follows the student. And Alberta is also the only province that has charter schools. And a lot of people weren't aware of that. The documentary focuses on jurisdictions in the United States, primarily Philadelphia and New Orleans. One aspect that the documentary brings to light is the concept of disaster capitalism and how governments with an ideological bend want to erode the public school system to increase the disparity between those who have and those who don't have. So in the schools in the urban areas, a lot of racialized students attend the public schools. And the documentary discusses how these schools are publicly funded, but not enough. And so that disparity is quite central to the documentary. 
And also the idea of how governments can use crises to implement these privatization strategies while the populace are too distracted to fight back. And in New Orleans, now there are only charter schools. There are no more public schools in that sense after Hurricane Katrina. How far along is this process in Alberta of privatization and of charter schools drawing students and funding away from the public system? The charter system here in Alberta started in 1994, and the initial intent of charter schools was actually to create innovation. So little mini think tanks of progress, and it was intended to share that potential progress with the public system, with the idea and the hope that it would integrate and innovate education for all. But that is not what has happened in the last 20 years. What has occurred is charter schools have become a place of exclusivity. They have divided access based on things like religion, gender, socioeconomic ability. There's several financial barriers to accessing charter schools as well as location. So you'll notice a lot of the charter schools are located in cities and in more wealthy areas of cities. So what has happened is the public dollars are following that student from what was once their public school into the charter system. And I can speak specifically to my children's school, where our enrollment has decreased over the six years that my eldest has been there by almost 200 students. And now that's not entirely to charter schools and private schools, but we do live in an area of a lot of choice. And parents are in a desperation almost to make sure that their child is afforded the absolute most and the best. And, you know, we've never purported to tell parents what to do. But nonetheless, these schools do silo kids into certain categories. And it does take away from the collective dollars and good of the public education system. SOS tries to bring attention to how this idea of choice has been in Alberta and rampantly accepted for the past three or four decades. Aside from the charter school system, in the public school boards, even this idea of choice is part of their models. It is the slogan that we bought into this individuality is central to education, when really it should be collectivism. It should be the idea that public education is public good, And every school should offer these important things to all students. So we have a highly diversified public education system in the province already, aside from charters. Within the public system, we have publicly funded religious schools. We have immersion programs. We have lots of different lines of division outside of charters already. And that is the product of this selling the idea that education is an individual choice for each particular child. So sticking to the pre-COVID period for the moment, what kinds of things has SOS Alberta done in response to all of this? Support Our Students Alberta has focused very much on citizen engagement. The power is really with the people to create a movement, to create an understanding of how policies by the government are impacting accessibility and fairness and equitability within our school system. We have worked to inform and educate with data that hopefully demonstrates how education is integral to a successful democracy. We try to work with school councils. We've been hosting viewing parties. We, of course, engage on social media. 
we really try to use education as a tool to discuss and understand where education is headed. In the earlier days, SOS did participate in lobbying the government. The founders did meet with, you know, certain politicians, and they found that political parties have their own agendas, and it's not necessarily as powerful as arming the citizenry can be. And so we've shifted to activating parents and community members. It needs to come from the people. People need to realize what's happening, and then they can advocate as a group. And that's where the power comes from in organizing groups of people that care about public education and also being able to understand what's going on. So we also offered toolkits for advocating to our elected representatives. We have screenings, as Medina mentioned, of backpacks full of cash, which bring in large groups of people. And also we've had, before COVID, in-person training sessions that outline the charter, school issue, privatization in detail. And so really it is about arming the citizens and engaging in citizen advocacy. And in addition to that, we have provided letter writing campaigns and protests and to Wing's point about organizing the citizenry. That is where a lot of the efforts have helped to build support our students in our communities. What have you found to be effective when it comes to connecting with parents and other concerned Albertans about these issues and encouraging them to get involved? We launched the recent COVID-19 school tracker. We're not the health authority, but we found that when we collect information, the people want to support us. So it's been a tool to organize in that people are understanding this pandemic is a crisis and it's a turning point that we can use to envision a better public education system. We've seen tons of people reach out to us in the past month since our tracker launched discussing various other issues, not just COVID cases. And it's really kind of a launching pad in organizing, reaching new people, engaging in awareness on the many different issues that surround public education. Other campaigns I can talk about have been a letter writing campaign to the minister, and we had thousands of people engage with our online writing tool. And so I think when it's something that can activate the advocates, you know, it's something that they can do when we offer a tool or something that's accessible. We found a lot of support and um, a lot of engagement. What has the impact of COVID been on schools and students and parents in Alberta? The impact on parents, I think, has been far-reaching and quite anxiety-ridden. Of course, parents were at home in March, helping their children learn, trying to work, trying to deal with so much uncertainty in our world, and the unknown about how school was going to actually unfold and what kind of measures government was going to implement in order to help minimize different disruptions, be it economic disruptions, education disruptions, and of course, the safety of all our education workers and our students. Here in Alberta, our government invested the absolute least in comparison to other provinces across the country, and they have not implemented very many safeguards and additional investments in smaller class sizes. In fact, we had the unfortunate circumstance of class sizes increasing during a pandemic and parents having to make the choice whether they were going to school online through their public school offerings 
or to go to in-class without actually clear details of how that was going to look, what kind of safety measures and protocols were implemented, and how government was going to support teachers and educators and principals and school boards in making sure that students' safety and education needs were met. Overall, in Alberta, there has been a lack of direction from this government, a lack of support, and all of the responsibility has been downloaded to school boards, principals, and teachers to carry the burden. We've seen the case numbers climbing, but what isn't being reported and we advocate that it's important to know is the amount of people who have been thrown into isolation. For lack of a better word, they receive a letter the day of and they have to isolate starting that date. So that includes their children and parents or caregivers because children can't stay home alone. So there are thousands of people being impacted and yet there's not really mention of that. These rolling isolations. We have schools that have reported, you know, upwards of 90 individuals in the school. This doesn't even include their families and that's one school. And this is about education disruption. This is about inequalities of students that are bouncing between home and classroom or who don't have the resources at home for those two weeks or more to keep up with their schoolwork. It's about stability of their health as well, not just physical health, but mental health as well. And so it is very concerning right now. It's a very concerning time in this province. In this context, what kinds of things has SOS Alberta been advocating for? Initially, support our students advocated for safety tours of schools so that parents could have a clear understanding of what the environment was going to be like given the pandemic. So parents wanted to know, are the windows going to be able to open? Ventilation systems, are they up to code? How are we going to enter the school? Is it going to be hundreds of kids going through one door or is it going to be a staggered start? Are high-touch surfaces going to be removed and cleaned? What are the class sizes and the desk configuration actually going to look like? So that was the first points that we were making in the springtime, is just really understanding what planning was taking place, how schools were going to look, and give parents an opportunity to analyze what kind of safety measures were actually going to be implemented. But there was inaction on the government's part, and it wasn't until July that they announced that Alberta would be going back to school full-time, almost back to normal. So at that time, we formed a coalition with AB Docs for Patients, which is another grassroots organization full of doctors, and also RAD educators, teachers and education staff that are focused on equity in the teaching profession. With this coalition, we introduced 12 strategies that we were advocating to mitigate as much as possible the risk of transmission and also contracting the virus in schools. And we actually were one of the only groups that really stressed these changes needed to be long term. We knew as an organization from our research, classroom sizes have been ballooning since 2004, which is the earliest point that our data goes back to. Before COVID, the class sizes were large and schools are crowded. So our 12 strategies are on our website and it includes, you know, recommendations such as physical distancing as the first line of defense. But how do you do that in a room of 40 kids? So we had to advocate for creative solutions that distributed populations in spaces that weren't being used during the pandemic. And none of that happened. 
The other strategies included masking and ensuring that transportation had a plan of assigned seating on these buses. And what we really heard from the government was all of this is too much. So they decided to really not do anything. And it was extremely disappointing. And here we are a month later with these rolling disruptions of piecemeal schools just closed for a period of time. And then we deal with it that way. Wing points to a really important part of the problem with how this is intersecting with COVID right now is there have been a lot of longstanding problems in public education that have been ignored by government. So ballooning class sizes, crumbling infrastructures, overcrowded buses. These were all problems prior to the pandemic. And the pandemic has just magnified these issues and has shown that really we have been neglecting this institution and that it deserves more. And now when we're faced with a crisis, we are in a worse situation than we would have been if we'd been taking care of our system all along and of our students. So you've got this collision of education and health coming together and how it's going to impact the greater community as a whole. In what you've said today, and even more so on your website, it's clear that your group is not only about defending public education, but about challenging inequities within public education. Talk a bit more about that side of your work. Aside from protection of the institution of public education systems, we have always been vocal about outlining these oppressive and also deeply ingrained systems that not everybody is conscious of. So we don't collect race-based data in Alberta in education, but we know the disparities are there. We know that ingrained systemic racism is fundamentally embedded in the way that our education system runs because we know that it was built on colonialism, this nation, Canada. We've always been kind of outspoken in naming these inequities of race, gender orientation. And to wrap things up, why is your group so committed to ensuring that education be public? A functioning democracy requires educated citizens. And so education is really a public good and not a consumable product. That is an important concept for people to understand that in order to have a successful society where people are lifted up and productive members of it and voting members of it, that everybody has equal access to a quality education system. Public education is so much more than just personal achievement. It's about preparing people to work together and not only advancing themselves, but also society. I think so much of our strength comes from our diversity. And if we don't come together at the beginning of this journey in public education as children, we really lose out on an opportunity to understand one another and grow in that diversity. And rather than separate ourselves into silos and build walls instead of bridges. And I think that's what the charter system actually sets to do. It sets to separate people based on socioeconomic status, on gender, on religion, and it prevents that society from coming together and also making sure that everybody, no matter how advantaged or disadvantaged you are, that everyone has the same access to public education, to a quality education. And I think in the end, we all benefit from that. You know, nobody should be leaving their neighbor behind.
And I think public education is really an investment in our future as a country. People are proven to be healthier. Societies are proven to be safer. This is really a public good. It is not just for the elite. It really is a pillar of our democracy. You have been listening to my interview with Medina Musa and Wing Lee of Support Our Students, Alberta. To learn more about the group, go to supportourstudents.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.